Many things impact a compliance program, how it runs, and how well it works. But nothing has the same impact as the constantly changing and evolving technology landscape. In ComTech, a podcast on the intersection of technology and compliance, co-hosts Tom Fox and Valerie Charles will help you understand what changes in technology mean for your compliance program. Here's your hosts, Tom and Valerie. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode of ComTech. Today, Valerie Charles and I are joined by Christian Perez-Font, who is the founder of one of the most unique law firms I have seen or heard of, Thinking Legal. So we're going to visit with him about his law firm, the use of data analytics and compliance and in the practice of law. So first of all, Christian, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with Valerie and I today. No, it's my pleasure always to be with you guys. Christian, I was wondering if you could tell our audience a little bit about your professional background. You have, a, I think, really unique private practice, corporate legal, compliance in-house, CCO, and now have your own firm. So that's quite a journey. Could you tell us a little bit about it? So I'm a, I'm a duly trained civil law, common law attorney. I started my legal journey in Venezuela, where I got my first law degree. I then came back to the U.S. and got my JD at the University of Miami. And I also have an LLM from Georgetown University. So I'm, I think I'm, I'm a masochist, professionally speaking, because I've gone back to law school three times. So for most of my professional life, I was a transactional attorney in multinational firms. And then I transitioned to an in-house role in 2008 in Baxter Healthcare, which was right about the time that everybody started thinking again about compliance and rediscovering you know, the FCPA and other compliance statutes. So when I started in Baxter, I think that my, my load in terms of work was about 85% straight legal and then 15% compliance. But by the time that I left five years later, it was about 60% compliance and 40% legal. And I really enjoyed it. One of the things that I liked about it is that, you know, compliance is so much more intellectually challenging than your regular, you know, run-of-the-mill distribution agreement or very mechanical legal work. So I, I sort of decided to transition over to compliance and then took a role as a regional compliance officer for some time at Olympus Corporation. And subsequently, I was a global chief compliance officer for Opco Health here in Miami, which has three divisions, pharma, medical device, and diagnostics, until 2018 when I decided to start thinking legal. Yeah, well, listen, so I, I would love to hear kind of, I don't know a lot about, about thinking, and, and you can tell us a little bit about it, but just thinking about, you know, you are known to be a, a speaker and lover of all things data and data analytics, and I'd love to know kind of, how did you get into it? You know, you've worked in private practice and in-house as a lawyer and then in-house in compliance, you just said. So how did you kind of get the bug for data analytics and, and what innovations, I guess, have you seen over the time? I come from a very number-centric family. My mom is an economist. She was the first person to register the public debt in Venezuela. And she was, you know, using Lotus 1, 2, 3 and, and computers way, way before her time. She still does. She's 83 years old and pretty much a, a Techie, and my dad's an engineer, so numbers were always in my household. And you know, I always found that understanding numbers and understanding data was really, really important to plan. And that sort of thought was in the back of my head during the first let's, let's call it the first part of my professional life as a transactional attorney, as an MA attorney. I was the first person who you know volunteered for due diligences. And one of the things that I wanted to 
go and do is really understand the business. So I think that when you understand data, you understand the business. And if you don't have that knowledge, then you're not providing a good advice to your clients. So that's how I got started in, in terms of interest in, in data. Now, when I started transitioning over to compliance, then I got progressively more interested in that role. I don't think that it's it was a consequence of it was a natural evolution as compliance programs were maturing. And I would think that probably the peak of that was when I, you know, when I started doing more diagnostics compliance, because you have to rely on data to analyze, you know, thousands of transactions of individual transactions. And that's when we started really, really seeing the value of data analytics and exploring other ways to, you know, leverage data in terms of, of process improvement, in terms of, of predictive analytics. So that's how we started getting into compliance and data analytics. When we think about like your time as a CCO, for example, and how it influenced your thinking on, on how to use data analytics and compliance, like maybe just some examples of places where, you know, you found that the use of data was kind of good for the function or maybe gave your program a little bit more pizzazz, <laughs> for lack of a yeah. better word. I think first we realized that we didn't have the data that we thought that we had. That, that's the first realization. So I think, I think when you start your journey towards data analytics, the first thing you need to do is understand data and understand how do how you extract it, how you use it. And even though it sounds like a simple proposition, it really isn't. Because some people might say, for instance, you have a legacy system, an ERP system, and you think that you have data, but you have a lot of information that's not organized, might not be extractable. So you have to go through the process of really understanding what it is that you have to be able to pull that data and then analyze it and understand it. So for instance, I mentioned that one of the things that diagnostic and service companies get audited by the government involves, you know, thousands and thousands of transactions with, with a common characteristics. So if you have all that data and you don't have it properly organized, then you might start running into problems. And when we started realizing the problems that bad data would generate is when we started really realizing the importance of having good data. So just to give you an example. So whenever there is no consistency in how you enter data into a database, you run into problems. So for instance, when you're looking at electronic health records, so there, there might be a hospital that describes a patient as you know, a smoker and they put the word smoker. Other hospitals just write tobacco. So if you're running you know, an, an analytic without knowing those nuances in the information because it's not properly organized, then you start getting into problems. So really, I think, I think the first part of the journey is to really understand the concept of data, the concept of structured versus unstructured data. And once you realize that you know, concept is then you, you know the enterprise, you know what you need to do. Other issues that we, we encountered when using you know, legacy databases is that some of the, for, uh, the data that you have in there is not searchable because they might be, in a PDF form, and you have to go and manually extract that data and then put it in searchable form. So it's a very expensive enterprise, but it's a worthwhile one. So I think that you start learning about the importance of data as, as you start working with it and, and finding challenges and, and overcoming those challenges. Did you historically create bespoke solutions in your 
organizations? Or were you a sort of fan of, of using vendors or maybe some combination of those things? We did both. There's outstanding solutions out there in the market. Some of them are good for certain purposes. For instance, you know, in GAN Integrity, where you used to work, has, has great solutions. Conversant has great solutions. Navix is also providing, you know, added value services whenever they're doing your hotline uh, in terms of visualization of data. And all of that is good. But sometimes you need to go and do things that are very unique to your own organization. So just to give you an example, so when, you run, when you're doing fair market value analysis, that is something that, you know, there might be information out there, but sometimes you have to find your own information. You have to create your own database. And then there's other, you know, metrics that you may want to charge, that you may want to start tracking, such as, you know, completion of training. How long does it take for you to assign and complete a compliance investigation? Some people find that that's important. So I think it's a combination of both. And I think that in the past, when I've talked about data analytic programs in, in compliance, I've always stated that it should be an evolution. You need to start small, then start scaling it. And as you start developing and becoming more mature, then you start you know, developing your own nuances and understanding when you use a vendor and when you use your own. I think that's right. I, listen, in, in my opinion, I think when you can buy it off the shelf, great. You know, when it's something where truly it's the same problem and the same sort of general data sets, you can get it off the shelf, excellent. It's cheaper, it's, it's better, it's great. I think to your point, there's always going to be industry-specific issues and company-specific issues and M&A issues and other things that make those solutions imperfect. And so it's a, it is nice to have a combination of capabilities where you can sort of have the off-the-shelf technologies doing what they do and then hopefully feeding some of that information into a more centralized tool that that is bespoke. I think that's the sort of holy grail. And I'm seeing so many people do different things like bringing in HR data and bringing in health and safety data and trying to actually get at sort of operational psychology as opposed to just the traditional data sets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the things that I did in the past in terms of, and it's it's not you know, red flag data analytics, but it, it's part of the compliance program, is I looked at the make of the organization in terms of generation, in terms of cultural backgrounds to really understand what we're made of in terms to properly craft compliance messaging. So if you have, for instance, in your compliance program and you don't understand, you know, what you're made of, you might be sending messages that are not being effective. So, you know, we looked at, you know, generation by generation of what we were made of, and we found that the majority of people were actually more millennials rather than, you know, generation Xers or baby boomers. So the way that you communicate across different generations is dramatically different. If you want to get the attention of, of a millennial, just give them an app that they can go and interact with compliance. If it's, you know, a baby boomer, he's going to expect you to call him over the phone. Mm-hmm. And then Generation X is, you know, all about email. But, you know, when you understand that part of your organization, you're able to craft a better compliance program. That makes sense. And then Tom can lead us into sort of where you are today and what's different about thinking. So let me start with listening to your discussion about figuring out the data you have. I was at on a uh, data privacy, data protection event uh, yesterday, and the data privacy expert said, you have to map your data. You have to know what your data is, where it is, and how you can get it. And then listening to you 
And then putting kind of those two together, it seems to me we should not be thinking about this as a legal issue, as a data privacy issue. This should be a business process issue. You have intellectual property value that you're not utilizing that's sitting somewhere that you don't even, may not even know you're having it. And so would that be a fair characterization to say we need to, to move this to really a business process to at least find out where your data is and how you can extract it? Yeah, but not only where your data is, but you know the other thing that the concept that needs to be understood is that of data lifecycle, because data doesn't just reside in one place forever in an organization, but it moves through different systems. So for instance, in the diagnostics space, you get information about a patient and that comes from you know the intake in the lab, moves through the different systems within the lab, then it goes to finance, then and at some point people start asking, so where does the data reside? And I think understanding data, where data lives and where data flows, the whole life cycle of data is extremely, extremely important, not just for, as you mentioned, not just for privacy purposes, but also for compliance. I'd like like now to turn to your founding of Thinking Legal. And when I initially met you at at the conference at the University of Miami, it struck me that this was a very unique approach to not simply the practice of law, but building an entire law firm and a practice around data, coupling that with your transactional background and M&A work. So I was wondering if you could really tell us what, did you just see a need? Did you see a market opportunity? Was it a natural evolution? Or did all of us look at the same thing and you saw it differently? I think I saw a need and I I started thinking there has to be a, a way of doing this in a better way. I think that that's sort of the what informs everything that I do, even when I do projects at home. If I'm trying to build something, I, you know, my, my first thought is there has to be a better way of doing this. And, and I will try always to push myself and look at the more complicated stuff in the hope that I can simplify it. So when I started thinking, I didn't just want to provide legal advice. I wanted to provide something more. And that's why the mantra of my firm is we do not provide legal advice. We provide business advice with legal content. Because that's the other thing that, that if you have been an in-house lawyer, you can easily get frustrated when you engage outside counsel and you ask for you know an opinion, then you get this huge document written in legalese that's not really what you're asking for. You're asking for business advice. You're saying, okay, I know the law, I can read the law, but what do you recommend? And I think that that is what I wanted to be able to do. And that's in a way why I came back to the dark side in, to call it a way. I certainly understand the use of data in a mergers and acquisition context, something like that. But do you have other projects where you help a client, a company, a financial institution, perhaps a healthcare organization do some of the things you've talked about, which was determine where data might be, extract that data, look at it in terms of the life cycle, but then use that data for continuous monitoring or continuous improvement, which the Department of Justice now mandates under the FCPA? So we've done a number of of different things in terms of data analytics. So we incorporate data analytics into our monitoring plans that we offer to some of our clients. So it's just not saying we're going to go and, you know, do a ride along with your salespeople to make sure that they're right, or I'm going to look at your spend, but I'm actually going to you know, use all that information and give it back to you in a way that you can understand it both visually and numerically. So, you know, understand trending. So for instance, when you're 
advising a company and you're looking at the spend in uh, you know, HCP meals during the launch of a product, once you have you know, a certain time, you're able to analyze and analyze how that spend is going, which is really, as you mentioned before, it's not just the compliance analysis, it's a business analysis. You want to know what you're doing from a business perspective to make sure that it, that it makes sense. And at some point, you are going to expect as the product becomes established in the market, those initial expenses in promotion to actually go down. It's the natural life cycle of you know, any promotion of a product. So we try to incorporate that. We try to incorporate things like, you know, what's your average spend per meal? What is reasonable? When have you deviated? And look at just, you know, red flags and opportunities for improvement. So yeah, we try to do that always. In terms of data life cycle analysis, that is a key component of an effective privacy program. And we've done that for some clients and help them out in doing a GDPR assessment, which was, you know, huge, huge for multinational corporations because you have a constant flow of information. And this is just not, you know, regarding patient, but, you know, any organization that has, you know, multinational capabilities that has a centralized HR department that has a centralized vendor for payroll is constantly exchanging information across different borders. And that's why it's important to understand how that information flows, where it resides, so that you can you know, establish proper safeguard measures in compliance with GDPR or other privacy statutes. Privacy is a subject that has always been a part of Latin American thinking. If you look at the constitutions of most Latin American countries, they have data protection language, and they've had that for a very long time, but now it's starting to pick up and they're starting to enact you know, new statutes that are aimed specifically at protection and of personal information. And that has actually gone, I think, one step beyond the U.S., where we are just thinking about protected health information mostly or, or tax information. But the concept in most of Latin America and in, in Europe is just data privacy in general, all of your data. So that's, that's an important part of you know, understanding data and data analytics. Kristen, you still work in Latin America and have Latin American clients. You find that they're more open to utilizing data and data analytics than clients you work with in the United States, or are they perhaps behind the United States, except for this area of data privacy that you've talked about? I think that Latin America is still trying to come to terms with the concept of compliance in general. And they are, I think, slowly incorporating data as part of their compliance analysis. In many ways, it's very new to them. And then you can find also some region-specific challenges in the understanding of data analytics for compliance purposes. So let me just give you an example. So in Mexico, the Mexican government has what's called integrated services tenders, which basically it's like like a tech data type of organization that rather than renting out the specific or providing a, a, an equipment just provides services they outsource you know health services in general so you get as a manufacturer of durable medical equipment a request from one of these integrators for your products that you, we want a quote for your product because we're going to participate in this tender so is the guy strictly a distributor no he's not because he's not reselling your product so the traditional compliance analysis of I'm just going to look at what your margin is to see if there's a red flag because you're charging too much is not enough. So you have to understand 
the different types of business models that exist in Latin America to be able to say, okay, so what's your expected profitability? How many buckets do you have? You know, who else is providing you with services? You know, how much for HR related costs? So when you start asking these questions in, in Latin America, they are usually very reluctant to share that information and, and not only to share it, but to understand why you're asking that information. So I think mm-hmm. that we're, we're taking baby steps in the region. I think we are definitely going in the right direction. If one good thing has come out of the Petrobras, certainly PDVSA cases, is that there is a whole generation of people who you know, are asking, okay, where's my future now? And that makes them much more engaged and willing to listen and willing to talk about compliance and, and understand the importance of compliance as something that directly affects them as citizens of a country. Yeah. I mean, w- Christian, what do you think companies need to be thinking about, you know, into 2025 and beyond, you know, as we think about data and data analytics and compliance programs? Well, I, th- I think there's, there's a number of things that the companies should be looking at. You know, the first thing is to try to really understand data better. Uh, you know, everything we just talked about, a data life cycle where data resides, how can you use and extract that data and invest in the necessary resources to be able to do that? The other thing that I think is, it's abundantly clear is that you need to have multifunctional compliance teams. You know, the, the time where your compliance team was made of former you know, white-collar prosecutors, I think, is over and has been over for a while. So you need to have people in your team that can understand data, that can you know, understand technology, that can understand how to leverage vendors and how to, you, how to choose the best technological solution, which is not necessarily the best, just the best compliance solution, but, you know, things like an ERP. If you're changing your ERP and you don't have compliance as a part of, you know, the, the team that's preparing the RFP, then you're completely out because, you know, they need to have access to that information. They need to be, you know, involved. So again, you know, better understanding of data, the creation of truly multifunctional compliance team, you know, data analytics is, is just not happening within the compliance space. It's happening also within the whole business sector. So more, more interaction and more, more teamwork is needed. So what's next for you at, at Thinking? Will you sort of get in the weeds of, of helping people operationalize their programs and actually utilize the data that they have but may not be actually looking at very well? Yeah, absolutely. That's, you know, we'll, we'll keep pushing. We're going to continue educating and trying to be creative and trying to continue to innovate and to continue to provide solid business advice with, with legal content. And, you know, we're more than happy to go and take a look at, you know, what, what you have or what, you know, somebody else might have uh, in terms of the program and do a free assessment and say, okay, this is what I think you can do better. And this is how much money is it going to cost you to improve your system so that you can leverage this data. And we, if we need to partner with other organizations, with your IT team, with other, we're, we're more than happy to do that. I think that's very helpful. It's great to have somebody who can kind of speak the different languages and help the different business units leverage each other more effectively. So where can our listeners go for more information and to hear more about uh, what you're doing at Thinking? Yeah, well, you can look us up on, on our website, which is www.thinkinglegal.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, and I regularly publish articles and videos on these topics. 
And you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook to keep up with news and, and interesting content. Sounds great. Well, this has been great. I'm so glad to uh, to have met and heard about what you're up to. And Tom and I are grateful for uh, the conversation and the time. No, I'm grateful for you guys for the invitation and, and look forward to hearing you back. And I look forward to continuing the conversation, Christian.